0: I got you into a Remington party. What's my thanks? It's on the hallway carpet. I got paid in puke. Lick it up, baby.
1: I got paid in puke. Welcome. Podcast where we discuss female-driven films through an inclusive feminist lens with the help of the 1988 film, Heathers. Paid and Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. On today's episode of Paid and Puke, we're talking about Amy Heckerling's 1995 comedy, Clueless, a high school movie that's loosely based on Jane Austen's Emma. Clueless stars Alicia Silverstone, Brittany Murphy, and Stacey Dash.
0: So, okay, like right now, for example, the Haitians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? And it's like when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right? People came that like did not RSVP. So I was like totally bugging. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, squish in extra place settings, and like people were on mismatched chairs and all. But by the end of the day, it was like the more the merrier. And so if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. Wow. You guys talk like grown ups Oh well this is a really good school. <laughs> Mr. Hall was way harsh. He gave me a C minus. <laughs> well, he gave me a C, which drags down my entire average. Hello? There was a stop sign? I totally paused. Well, you try driving in platforms? Oh! Should I write them a note? <gasps> Ew! Get off of me! Ah, uh, as if! Cher's got attitude about high school boys. It's a personal choice every woman has got to make for themselves. Cher is saving herself for Luke Perry. Cher, you're a virgin? I mean, I'm not prude. I'm just highly selective. I mean, you see how picky I am about my shoes, and they only go on my feet.
2: Nice stems. Thanks.
0: What the hell is that? A dress. Says who? Calvin Klein. I'm gonna
2: be a super mom. What are you doing? Yo, you're getting on the freeway! Get out of the
3: freeway! Amber, my plastic surgeon doesn't want me doing any activity where balls fly at my nose. Well, there goes your social life.
1: I'm gonna be
3: a supermodel.
1: I'm Jessica Baxter. I'm Amy Green. I'm Christina Barr. And joining us to discuss this one-of-a-kind film is Katie Lee Ellison. Katie, what is your connection to the Clueless?
4: Oh my God. Um, <laughs> yeah. Such a long question. I mean, <laughs> okay. like my connection to Clueless, like I grew up in LA. I think I saw it at the West Side Pavilion, but if it wasn't the West Side Pavilion, it was like an outdoor mall in the valley. And I went with my little sister and my uncle and it was like a very like tumultuous summer so it was like this safe haven. <laughs> also, my parents used to make movies. My uncle was an actor. Oh, wow. So like, there was always this like overlap of reality and fantasy. And going to see Clueless was like this perfect little escape. I could go on for a very long time. How about. many
1: times did you see it in the theater, do you think? Only once. OK. Yeah,
4: it was a special treat. And I don't know that I would have wanted to go see it a second time in the theater. I've seen it a million times since. <laughs> But the theater experience of like the candy and the soda and my mm-hmm. uncle laughing very loud at parts that I didn't understand so I was only 10. <laughs> and then actually watching it again last night, I got like the specific reference point for why we went shopping afterward. The white patent leather Mary Janes when Christian picks up her pen for her in that classroom scene. As soon as we left the movie, just like walking toward the car and past a store I was like
2: can we can we go in
4: (laughs) and so we went in and I was only 10 but I tried on these like two and a half inch white patent leather Mary Jane heels. (laughs) They were amazing. And My uncle is somebody was somebody who would like shop the fuck out of everything would not buy a suit unless he had been to like 16 locations in New York and oh like waited for the Barney sale twice a year, and <laughs> knew the brand and the cut and the make and the color and the fabric and the everything. But for whatever reason, and I think I know why, like that was kind of a rough summer. He was just kind of like, do you want him? Oh. And I was like, yeah. I wore them twice I could barely walk in them (laughs) but I had my little clueless shoes
1: I love it what do you love about the movie?
4: so many things and then also in the past few years I feel like all the classics have sort of had like little chinks put in them with new and different perspectives and i like definitely Mm. want to talk about all that yeah but what do i love about the movie i feel like in some ways for its time it was very aware for like a mainstream movie and it took on a lot of like heavy subjects with a lot of levity that has its pros and cons too did it go deep enough no (laughs) like whatever but we'll discuss I think really what I loved about it was that I know basically every street that's in the movie. Like oh, if you know cool. LA, <laughs> if you know those streets. It really felt like I could put myself... It was like full delusion fantasy mode (laughs) of like living as Cher, watching Mm -hmm. that movie the first time. And then even since like, it's just such a familiar setting to me. And then also just the like obsession with clothing. Like I fucking love clothes. I'm teaching a (laughs) class on clothes in November. I'm very compelled by the selves that we create with clothes. And that closet of hers Mm -hmm. is like... Oh my God. <laughs> Is this like an Oxima commercial or what?
0: But seriously, I actually have a way normal life for a teenage girl. I mean, I get up, I brush my teeth, and I pick out my school clothes.
4: The people you could be. Yeah. And have like a computer create That person too, like very like precious. <laughs> <fresh laughs> what do I love about the movie? I don't know, it's, it's just so perfectly cast. It's hilarious mm. still. Yeah. So many things. Awesome.
1: We can start with some hot probs, and then we'll go into the compliment section. Shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh shit, yeah. Do you have anything that rubs you the wrong way about it?
4: I mean, I, I want to hear from you guys, too. <laughs> yeah, like, I have a whole list of stuff. Yeah. The thing that's been sticking out in my mind, like a list of things that didn't hold up, watching it last night and, mm-hmm. like, noting. But I remember at some point during, like, deep quarantine pandemic, seeing on Twitter, and I think it was Saeed Jones, but I don't know for mm-hmm. certain. I don't want to call him out, so don't hold him or me to <laughs> that. But I remember seeing something on Twitter about how, like, like everyone goes apeshit for this movie and how like with it it is and prescient or whatever, but there are all kinds of like pieces left out and Mm -hmm. that like by omission are not doing service to a lot of people and also like maybe doing harm. Just Mm -hmm. like throughout the movie, like the ones that I was able to note, there's like the suicide moment when Travis gets a bad report card and like tries (laughs) to jump out the window. Now, could all conversations please come to a halt?
2: And could the suicide attempts please be postponed till the next period?
4: Which, like, it's hilarious, but it's also like, lol, suicide, (laughs) you know.
1: Yeah, like, why does he care about his grade that much? There's usually a dark reason why a kid cares about their grades, and it's not usually because they're holding
4: themselves to a high standard. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, there's like a million different reasons. I don't know. Is suicide the joke here? It just yeah. feels a little tricky. And then that suck and blow moment when Elton forces mm-hmm. the kiss on Cher. Got Elton kissed! gross, disgusting, and then just him in general. Oh my god. I was super um,
1: impressed with my nine-year-old actually, who, as soon as he saw that guy, he was like, I don't like that guy. Yeah. I don't trust him. The twist is that they're an asshole. I
5: mean, I don't mind that that's in there because I feel like a lot of times in that era or even before that, that kind of thing is presented as like, huh, oh, like, you got pranked, kind of, you know, like date with <laughs> is like, I, like bad. Yeah. I got you, you know, whereas yeah. this is presented as he is an asshole, like he's a bad guy, even though she doesn't realize it as early as we do you know but i mean i don't mind that it's there because it's not presented as like look at this cool guy he got his kiss you know
6: when i was watching it last night i was like wow elton is shitty you know and like when i was watching it for the first time i thought jeremy (laughs) sisto was like the cutest guy in the movie I don't know maybe that just went over my head watching it now yeah. and I'm like god that guy he fucking sucks
1: <laughs> you I feel know? like he did have some sort of like heartthrob cachet at the time maybe this is what put him in that status so it was like an interesting casting oh you expect him to be this sweet romantic lead but then he Mm -hmm. ends up being a predator
4: i see like amy heckerling making a lot of feminist statements about men but the thing is especially with that whole elton thing and i guess like this is what needed to happen in order for the movie to be what it is like the category that it is but I remember watching as a kid, none of that really even registered. And when she got out of the car, it was just like, God, he's being such an asshole. And Cher has to like defend her friend by mm-hmm. getting out of the car.
2: You know, I don't get you, Cher. I mean, you flirt with me all year. As
0: if I have been trying to get you together with Ty.
2: Ty? Why would I go with Ty? Why not? Why not? Why not? Don't you even know who my father is?
0: Ugh, you are a snob and a half.
2: Share, listen to me. Me and Ty, you don't make any sense. Right? Me and, and and you? Well, I mean that
4: makes sense it didn't even occur to me at the time to see the depth of what was happening and the ways right. that he was pushing himself on her all night long. Yeah, that didn't even cross my radar. I think that that's something that could be a little more I mean, you don't want it to be too on the nose. And I appreciate the ways that she also like pokes fun at PC language and whatever. Yeah, throughout the movie. And there is this like light tone throughout that mm-hmm. you have to maintain to put that in there and then not again it's like by omission what you're not saying allows it to just be on a huge screen without being collectively called out as like fucked up you you see elton face no consequences (laughs) totally and i mean he just continues to look like an asshole but yeah
1: but that guy's definitely going to go on to commit many sex crimes (laughs) right yeah Yeah, yeah, you're right. He's not sorry for anything. No one called him out really. Yeah. She just removed herself from that situation and decided he's not good for Ty anymore. Yeah.
4: (laughs) And like similarly with that very split second Travis moment of which you could make lots of or nothing at all because you're not given much. Like he plays the character of this outcast, messy, maybe troubled pothead and he's the one who wants to jump out the window. What is like the undercurrent of this set of stereotypes and like tropes that we're receiving? He's you know? always yeah.
6: being pushed to the grassy knoll over there. Could you
2: show
1: that
6: a little bit?
0: No. Hello. Don't the slackers prefer that grassy knoll over
1: there? <laughs> <laughs> we are so mean to him. It's, yeah. That's gonna I mean, fuck up. He's so out. charming.
5: I yeah. love him. But he does join twelve step program at the end. You know.
2: I wasn't sure about that. I don't need it anymore. But far be it for me to deny anyone else. You know Oh, I wanted to tell you something. I'm sorry about your shoes. What shoes? The red ones with the the, the thing.
0: Oh, those are so last season. What even makes you think of them?
2: Well, it's one of my steps. See, I joined this club, and and, and they have these steps. It's like yeah. twelve. Yeah, twelve. How did you know?
5: Wild guess. So I feel like it's not just like a funny stoner trope, like Spaghetti <laughs> or something. Either, yeah. Like, he's troubled and. Self medicating, yeah. but in the end, you yeah. know that he's doing twelve steps. I mean, I feel like you do
2: see something.
4: That, yeah, you know.
2: Yeah, this clarity thing has brought me to like a whole new level. I mean, what am I skating in? You know, my skating—you gotta see. It. Would you come Saturday?
4: She's planting stuff to consider for sure. But like the thing that you take away from the movie is like yellow plaid. You know, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. The fashion is front and center. Yeah.
6: I felt like Travis was very much like a Hollywood kind of, like, I don't, there's the, his speech. It's like, obviously like an Oscars kind of acceptance <laughs> speech. Oh God, that was so tardy. cute. Travis
0: Birkenstock, 38 tardies. By far the most tardies in the class. Congratulations.
2: <clears throat> so unexpected. I, uh, I didn't even have a speech prepared. Uh, but I would like to say this. Tardiness is not something you can do all on your own. Many, many people contributed to my tardiness. Uh, I'd like to thank my parents for never giving me a ride to school, the LA City bus driver for taking a chance on an unknown kid, and uh, last but not least, the wonderful crew at McDonald's for spending hours making those Egg McMuffins, without which I might never be tardy. And
6: then, like, somebody did a debate or something, he's
2: like, two thumbs up. Two very enthusiastic thumbs up. Fine holiday fun.
6: I don't know. I just felt like he was... LA. Like I had such a mm-hmm. fantasy about Los
1: Angeles when I was growing up.
6: 90210 yeah. and It like, was
1: definitely very much in the zeitgeist of like the coolest kids in America like, are in LA going like, to Beverly Hills High School. <laughs> there's
6: this and Ty is like my favorite character yeah, in yeah. it. And the moment I identified with so much was like where Ty's like, "No shit, you guys got coke here." <laughs> and yeah. Like that is the kind of thing. Like my teenage, brain, I was, was like, like, "Oh my god, they get coke at <laughs> school." Yeah, you yeah, know, like that was my child. Right, I just, they was- get all of this stuff. She's talking about cocaine.
1: Yes. <laughs>
5: Did you guys not realize that
6: until
1: just now?
5: I thought that's it was she- Coca Cola. That's what they're talking about. But she, thought they're yeah. talking
1: about cocaine. She came from a rough.
5: I'm before so naive, she went there. Like, I just. <laughs> but no, that yeah. was something that I
6: remember hearing about. Like, like, when I was in high school, there was this kid that moved up from <laughs> Miami, and he was talking about, like, oh, my high school has, like, Taco Bell and Coke and different things. <laughs> I was, like, so impressed. Yeah. But I don't know. I just feel, like, so impressed by those little. I like, mean, I think that probably was like part was... of the joke as well. How do you like California?
0: I mean, I'm freaking. I could really use some sort of an herbal refreshment. Oh, well, we do lunch in ten minutes. We don't have any tea, but we have coke and stuff. No shit, you guys got coke here? Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, this is America. The joke was, they think she's talking about the amenities at school, and right. she thinks they're talking this about drugs. This is America. <laughs> right, this is America. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. A, she's amazing. really good at those multi-level jokes. Oh my jokes. god. <laughs> and her
6: singing the Mentos commercial. <laughs> like, she's so That is so kind of adorable. how I watch...
1: Mentos better.
0: Fresh
2: goes better with Mantos Fresh and Full of Light. Mentos, the, the fresh, fresh maker. maker. That was kind of how
6: I watched TV. Like <laughs> yeah. I watched so much TV, I would sing along with like the Mentos commercial. Gotcha. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah.
1: laughs> that jingle slaps. Uh, <laughs> yes,
6: exactly. <sighs>
1: Well, hot for me, I guess. My nine-year-old also asked me if I related to anybody in the movie. He's like, "Do you relate to this high school experience?" Basically, and I was like, "Not at all. Mm -hmm. This was so alien to me. Mm -hmm. This was not my movie. My high school experience is more like Heather's. Mm -hmm. So, so I guess it's not very universal in that way. It is very much like these are Hollywood kids, and even like the troubled Hollywood kids are still Hollywood kids. Mm -hmm. But I mean, it's got that like class satire vibe to it. That's Mm fun even if you're not relating to it directly
4: that's it it's a satire and there isn't room to go deep on a lot of these things that are pointed out but not necessarily dealt with and I think that was an intentional choice for yeah. her
1: I, mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she did try to put darker things in there and they made her take them out <laughs> I,
4: I actually was reading about this just this morning about her 25th anniversary in 2020 mm-hmm. of the film coming out and she said that it was rejected wholesale across the board and then a producer I believe at Paramount was like it's great just as it is let's do it exactly the way you want to do it and she was saying how you never get to do things exactly the way you want to do it but in this case like i got to oh Okay, well, that's cool, um, and that checks out like it holds mm-hmm. together with that like singular vision and you know it was the 90s and it is like I don't know if she's straight or not but it's like a white mm-hmm. woman filmmaker at that time with that particular perspective I was always very proud of this movie because it did seem to like touch on so many important things but yeah. then in reading more about it and like getting a new filter on it in the last few years there's a lot it leaves out and like mm-hmm. doesn't do the way it should, or the way you would hope, in order yeah. to like help the people that it's kind of pointing toward. You mm-hmm. know, like whoever the Amy heckerling of today is, would probably do it a little differently, <laughs> right? Because like, mm-hmm. sure, gets out of the car. Cut it out! Come on!
2: Stop it! <sighs> yeah. Baby. Where you going? <gasps> You're only hurting yourself here, baby. Come on. You gonna walk home? Why don't you get back in the car, please. Get back in the car.
0: Leave me alone. Fine. Hey, where are you going?
4: And then is victimized again.
0: Yeah, do you have a number of a cab company? Which one? I don't know which one. What do you have out here? Oh,
4: we have Valley cab.
2: Hand it over. Uh, Give me the phone. Ah! Back to. Come on. All right, now uh, get down on the ground, face down.
0: Oh no! You don't understand. This isn't a liar. And a what-a? It's like a totally important designer.
4: And I will totally shoot you in the head. And then has to call a different man to save her.
0: Josh, you busy? Who is it?
4: It's Mel's daughter.
0: So okay. I was at this party, and my designated driver tried to attack me. So I got out so he'd stop, but then he drove off and deserted me. And then this guy with a gun held me up, took my money and my phone, and he yelled at me, and he forced me to wear my dress.
4: Okay, okay, look, um, where are you? And then it's like the bad news because Paul Rudd's girlfriend is mad because she's kind of smarter than she is in some ways, <laughs> unexpectedly. I think that there's some merit in learning forms straight off. Oh, I- Josh,
0: please. He's taken our minds at the most feckin' point huh? and restrained them before they've wandered through the garden of ideas. It's just like Hamlet said to thine own self, be true Uh, no uh hamlet didn't say that (laughs) i think that i remember hamlet accurately (laughs) well i remember mel gibson accurately but he didn't say that that polonius guy did
4: (laughs) and then there's like this cattiness between them i guess it's like it's very realistic. It's Mm -hmm. just like a snapshot of like what it actually looks like instead of like what it could look like. But as a child, like receiving that it's like normalized, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and like held up on a big fat screen as like what life could be because there is all this fantasy in it. Mm -hmm. You know, Amy Hackerling talks about how she needs a little sparkle in the movies she makes because she grew up in like a dark apartment in the Bronx with her father or something. Mm -hmm. So she doesn't like that like romantic, uh, dark, uh, what does she call it? Um, Not Ruben, the painter who always had one source of light. Rembrandt. Okay. Rembrandt asks lighting. <laughs> mm. Like she wants like sparkle and flashy and like fun or whatever. So like while you're putting that light on these issues, it's confusing okay. for like a young mind. But for a, an elder <laughs> it's fascinating, but it's also could do more.
5: But I will say, though, I like when he and his girlfriend pick her up and they get a little catty between each other. But one thing that I do like about that is it shows that someone like Cher, pretty girl who cares about clothes, is not taken seriously by a lot of people, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of really love their interaction where she does kind of win. Where she's like, I remember Mel Gibson, accurately, <laughs> <Really>? you know. <laughs> Something going on in that scene is like, don't just write people up, you know. Also, like, mm-hmm. when you are first in college, like, that girl, I feel bad we don't know her name. <laughs> she might not have an name. I Heather? I wanted to say Heather, Heather. yeah. I yeah. think, I think okay. maybe did. Okay. Yeah.
6: Heather,
0: why can't you just be a friend? You know,
5: like, when you're that age you, like, just started college you're like, I am so smart. You yeah. know? Like, mm-hmm. I am so intellectual. I'm, like, smarter than basically everyone's smartest, you know? Mm. You no, know, and he's like that, too. Like, he's kind of pretentious with yeah. like mm-hmm. that, you know? I do like that one thing that happens in that scene is, like, you don't know everything. Nobody knows everything or, like... Yeah. And it's a little bit of a demand to be taken seriously, even though on the surface it's like, oh, she's like this blonde, bubbly, fashion, yeah. but, you know. Mm-hmm.
1: I also wonder if girls that look like Cher were not very nice to Heather in high school, mm-hmm. and she's not that far removed from it.
5: Mm-hmm. I guess. I, I mean, I, I
1: definitely had that <laughs> read you as well. <laughs> of course. I mean, it's a personal read, but I think you could see that there. So she's like, I'm definitely right, smarter probably. than this mm-hmm. fashion bitch. And then it's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's not how I imagined her, how other people that dress and look like her are. Because there are, you know, I'm sure there are completely vapid high school fashionistas, but she's sure. just not one of them.
5: Right. I feel like there's a lot of mean people in high school and like, you
4: know. Yeah. Yeah. I guess something that is kind of interesting about this movie Is the characters are allowed to surprise you Mm -hmm. What I took away from watching it again last night Is like while Cher was a hero in my mind for decades (laughs) Watching it again last night She is a solidly mediocre person (laughs) Any skill set Standard, average, mediocre person With a shit ton of money Mm -hmm. And so that is the shine on her But that was kind of a revelation too, which maybe shouldn't have come so late, much like the Coke comment. (laughs) Um, But that in and of itself is another little piece that Amy Heckerling was kind of hiding inside the narrative. Mm -hmm. Like, we're so distracted by all the things that she has and her sparkly personality that I was successfully convinced that she was perfect. Fabulous yeah. in some way. And she is not. She's just a regular schmegular person if you take yeah. away the closet. So that's she has kind a of... lot
1: of resources at her right. disposal that yeah. help her.
4: It's
5: like very white feminism where it's mm-hmm. like, like so Oh, there's people it. in need yeah. We'll be collecting blankets,
0: disposable diapers, uh, canned goods. This guy's share, I wanna help. That would be wonderful. I felt better already. Yeah, what are you doing? I'm Captain of the Pismo Beach Disaster Relief. I don't think they need your skis. Daddy, some people lost all their belongings. Don't you think that includes athletic equipment? I'll donate my skis. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well,
1: like, yeah. oh, wow, yay. right. I feel like the criticism of that is there, but it's
4: buried. Right. And for Ty to be surprising, too. Like, I think there are a lot of surprises that you wouldn't expect in a movie that wasn't quite as smart as mm. this one.
1: And I do feel like because she is going by the outline of the source material, like Emma is actually, it is very similar to character where she isn't always doing the right thing, but she always thinks she is. And I forget who says it. Is it Paul Rudd who is like, you don't do anything unless it benefits you. Right. And that is true.
4: <laughs> but I mean, that's true of everybody.
1: I don't know. Would you call me selfish? No, not to your face. But like in Emma, she's a problematic protagonist. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I definitely remember talking about that in Mm -hmm. English class.
6: Well I read this part from Emma, like it starts out Emma Woodhouse, handsome, clever, and rich, with a comfortable home and happy disposition, seemed to unite some of the best blessings of existence that had lived nearly 21 years in the world with very little to distress or vex her. And then it says by Austin's own admission, Emma would be a heroine whom no one but myself will much like. <laughs> <laughs> like so she yeah. kinda knew. But then it's called clueless. Right. Like, because she has like Like, very limited perspective. You found someone even more clueless than you are to worship you. God, when she's got a gun pointed at her, she's like, (laughs) No, I
2: can't
5: lie down. Right. I will (laughs) totally shoot (laughs) you. Shoot (laughs) you. Yeah,
6: Yeah. like, that's a moment where...
1: When she's calling, she's like, And I ruined my dress. Like, that is at the forefront of her mind the whole time.
6: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs)
1: Not that she had a near-death experience.
6: But I think like in Jane Austen books, they're all wealthy bourgeois yeah. people. And she wrote what you, she knew. <laughs> right. And the men are like captains in the military or whatever, but you mm-hmm. know that they're probably doing some colonial thing or,
2: <laughs> yeah, know, right. totally or something. <laughs> Definitely.
6: And then like Cher's dad is a litigator.
0: Daddy's a litigator. Those are the scariest kinds of lawyers. Even Lucy, our maid, is terrified Ooh. of him. And Daddy's so good, he gets five hundred dollars an hour to fight with people.
6: He's very mm-hmm. sweet with Cher, but yeah. like,
3: who's he's this guy? Doing Do you like Marty
1: Singer yeah. or like? He's definitely Robert not Shapiro. doing. Like, he's not doing the kind of law that really helps yeah, the good guys yeah, yeah, or yeah, the disenfranchised. Exactly. It's because just he's like giving Josh shit you for don't wanting to be an environmental he... lawyer.
0: So Josh. Have you given any thought to a little discussion about corporate law?
2: Yeah, you know, but I think I'd really like to check out environmental law. What for? You want
0: to have a miserable,
2: frustrating life?
6: Oh, Josh will have that no matter what he does. Don't go too much into that, you know, like, that's what her book is.
4: And he's also the one to convince Cher that she's doing enough good. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean,
6: she's definitely on a pedestal (laughs) for her dad, I think. Cher, I expect you to become a good driver. I want to see you
4: apply yourself.
0: I will. I'm going to practice real hard.
4: Okay. But it's interesting that he's her source of comfort and uh-huh. like reassurance when we're really not sure where his values lie. Right. Right,
6: exactly. <laughs>
1: It's interesting, there is so much there, because also, like, there's something going on with Josh's mom, because that's why he's always over there. So what's the big deal? Nobody
0: will be in school?
1: Yeah, but husband number four is at home, and his whole idea of acting like a family is to criticize me. They never get into that. So it's like, however bad Dan Hidea is, Josh's mom is worse in some way.
4: Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he talks about how he's criticized okay. by his new stepfather, and, like, Cher's dad. What's his name? Mel? I think it's yeah. Mel. Mel. Yeah. yeah. Right. He seems only like supported and cheer-led by him. Josh is in town. He's coming for dinner. Why? He's your stepbrother. But you
0: were hardly even married to his mother, and that was five years ago. Why do I have to see Josh?
4: You divorce wives, not children. I mean, maybe that's the, the saving grace of this character, is that he's empowering this man who wants to do good in the world mm-hmm. with the resources that he has, and so is his daughter in whatever stilted way.
6: I guess like the Jane Austen books. His daughter is like, she's interested in her fashion. Like, the way that it ends in the Jane Austen. And Amy Heckerling said she was worried that audiences were not going to receive the love story between... Mm-hmm. They weren't brother and sister, but mm-hmm. like, they were part of the same family. How
1: much fun would it be
2: having a brother type tagging along?
6: Josh, you are not my brother.
2: Look, you know what I mean.
6: That's kind of the idea in that Austin world is like It was not that weird. (laughs) She's going to be taken care of Mm. because she's with this Mm -hmm. part of the family now or Mm. whatever. But you need to find a place to send your daughter or somebody to send your daughter with who's gonna take care of her. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the idea. I didn't really get that very much from Clueless, but I think that was sort of like her way of being true to the story Mm -hmm. of Emma. And within the narrative, I feel like Cher is pretty comfortable with that role. (laughs) I kind of did. I don't don't know if I thought it was weird with the Josh thing,
5: as I was like, they grew up together, or... I think they say they were just briefly married. Like, he was married to his mom, but... Not they very were barely long. married. Yeah, I have step siblings I like barely know. You know, yeah, I mean, me too. It's Like Ray, and it's mm-hmm. be different. Like I have a blended family myself now, and those kids are really growing up together. You know, so it's like, mm-hmm. I don't see London and Logan getting together someday. But no. well, they're not related. <laughs> I, mean, I can see it's questionable, but situationally, they're not siblings. So yeah, they're mm-hmm. really not. Because you can be like family with someone and not be legally related or technically related, and you can also be the other way. Like mm-hmm. okay, technically they were step-siblings at one point. But also I'd say like about the dad, like his parenting is definitely informed by like losing his wife when his child was so young, you Mm -hmm. know? like That's another thing that's like a big heavy thing that they don't really touch on. Yeah, it's like a joke how she died. I know! (laughs) That like, you know, that she lost her mom young enough to not even remember her.
0: Wasn't my mom a Betty? She died when I was just a baby. A fluke accident during a routine liposuction. I don't remember her, but I like to pretend she still
4: watches over me. What's interesting about that, my friend Susan Liu, who's an incredible performer, writer, everything, girl, she did a show called 140 Pounds that's about how her mom died from cosmetic surgery. And that for her is a story about beauty standards on Mm. minority communities. But she has a memoir coming out in March that she just read from this reading series that I run that is 140 pounds turned memoir. And it's an incredible story and you get to go like way more in depth about it. But this is just like another example of like these extremely heavy topics that Amy Heckerling is like pulling into this story that is sparkly and a satire and light and clueless and just like running them all together and it does feel like her way of getting a little say on all these things that she knows are important Mm -hmm. but it also feels like I don't know, like a table of contents <laughs> of like where to start on any one of these issues. And also maybe as kind of damaging and not so great to like brush over so quickly. All of these things. I mean, yeah. I'm glad we got this Gen X nineties take in this extremely digestible way so you don't even know the medicine is going down (laughs) but i think there's also a real danger in that just like seeing it without knowing that that's not good that could be a different way yeah you know a routine liposuction or whatever she says in front of that portrait that's something that she's gonna live with her entire life and Mm -hmm. looks at every day you know I, i don't know it's reading too much into this film in particular
6: when I was watching it last night, I mean, I definitely noticed like the kind of like diet culture sort of stuff. Yeah. But all exactly. I've had was
4: two bowls of
6: special K. Yeah. Turkey bacon, and I'm just like. That's pretty pervasive. I'm just she's, like, like. She's like
1: cutting up a croissant. She's you know like, how is, how you lose weight if you special cut K it into K small I've pieces. Eaten in my lap. Like, I ate <laughs> yeah. special K like. The whole like fat like, free I, is I, all I, you need to are are do. You sure
6: is that's so crazy. Yeah. <laughs> or, oh, I've been so bad today. I've had two of these or what, And it's just like, yeah,
1: wow. Yeah, <laughs> and she even says, like, I feel like such a heifer. And right,
6: like, yeah. What
1: about? I know. Come
0: on, D. I feel like belly, dude. Come on. I know what you mean, but at least it's exercise. I feel like such a heifer. I had two bowls of Special K, three pieces of turkey bacon, a handful of popcorn, five peanut butter M&Ms, and, like, three pieces of licorice. <gasps> Are you sure that's fat-free? Oh, yes. And you lose weight by doing it like this, by like doing it like small. From now on, we're alternating Cindy Crawford's Aroba and Buns of Steel, and reading one non-school book a week. My first
6: book is Fit or Fat. And I was like, oh,
0: God.
5: I mean, that's true to the time. It
1: definitely it is. It's
6: totally true to the time. And I'm glad
1: that it is not quite that pervasive now because my 13-year-old did notice it. And she was like, what's wrong with them? And I'm like, that is just how women talked to each other back then. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Like, this is what I've
1: eaten today. This is why I earned this or didn't earn that. It's so it just, is better even though it still very much exists.
4: Yeah. <laughs> it's wild thinking about that again. Because, like, yeah. I don't even register. Having grown up in L.A., it's like, ha, ha, ha here's this joke again. But I remember at the time when I was a kid watching this movie, I was like two M&Ms and three Twizzlers. Like, this is why I'll never be her. Yeah. yeah. Give me my boxes, my vats of candy. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what I need to live. This is why it maybe doesn't stand up Mm -hmm. is the brushing over. I mean, she's making the statement by putting it in there in the first place. And also it's damaging to do that. (laughs) Without, it was so without normal all the for way the nineties. Yeah. yeah, but I think she's making a joke of it on purpose because she doesn't agree with it. Like you're in on the joke, it doesn't necessarily leave room for reflection on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's like that mm-hmm. bitter Gen X thing. Like a mm, world stops. Like, sorry, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if everybody's. I am Gen X. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, not wrong. But
1: <laughs> but
4: there, yeah, there's definitely like the Gen X is
1: like the world is fucked up, and that's just how it is. And then at least the next generations are like the world is fucked up, and is there anything we can do about it?
4: Yeah, as a geriatric millennial, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm reading. <bringing> yeah, to <laughs> <me>. yeah. <laughs>
1: and the answer is not until the old
4: people die. Well, that's not really working that well either. You're really like training them up. Anyway, we. Oui. <laughs> I have so many other stuff that didn't hold up. Where Ty says, like, I don't really want to restate it, but, like, when she's apologizing to Cher at the skating event where Travis is performing or whatever, yeah. she makes reference to, like, mental retardation or whatever. Yeah, there's a
1: couple yeah. of instances yeah. of the R where it is not great. And yeah. that's, again, that was so shocking to my children. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That was I watched like that with my friends. just like,
5: whoa. Yeah. No, yeah, it's boy. weird to hear. Right. That's really yeah. talked off did, at did, the time. like, I feel like such a...
4: Yeah. <sighs> <laughs> and then that moment where Cher's like, I don't speak Mexican, but Lucy's from El Salvador. And that's like one moment where I think Amy gives a little bit more room to like address because Paul Rudd's character is like, it's an entirely different country.
0: We got another notice from the fire department saying that mm-hmm. we have to clear out the bush. You said you were going to get Jose to do it. He here gardener, why are you don't turn in? Lucy, you know I don't speak Mexican. i not the Mexican. Great, what was that all about?
5: Lucy's from El
4: Salvador so it's an entirely different country
0: oh, what does that matter
4: you get upset if someone thinks you live below sunset and she's like oh it's just me i'm the worst in the raw. like and it's like yeah bitch you are it's you yeah. like don't say that shit so that was kind of interesting i feel like there's a ton of stuff but it, <laughs> okay. i feel like it's at just, this yeah, point yeah, people can watch and yeah. easily pick them out right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> spot
1: the difference <laughs> yeah right right next call you blow it tonight girl and it's Keggers with Kids all next year. So for Keggers with Kids, I have my child Fern, 13 years old. Hello. And she watched the movie Clueless with me in preparation for the podcast. Fern, what did you think of Clueless?
3: I gotta say, I I do like it. I've seen a lot of movies like that before, like coming of age stories, trying to get other people together Or like falling in love with someone you thought was a nerd or Mm -hmm. stuff like that. High school movie tropes. A lot of high school movie tropes. Although I did think it was very funny.
1: I thought it was interesting that you said when you saw the clothes, particularly the first day outfits, or the first outfits that Cher and Dion wear, and you asked, is this supposed to be the future?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Because like their outfits, like she was wearing like a plastic hat. Yeah, that hat is wild. (laughs) and she was like on an app where she would like pick out the clothes and then yeah dress it wasn't them. an app
1: though because that didn't even exist It would have been called a program a computer program a and program. it was like on her desktop
3: computer and I thought that when she selected <laughs> the outfit like materialized on her because it was set place in the future and they didn't show her changing into it or anything <laughs> that was really funny you
1: were filling in like high-tech yeah gaps. I thought that it
3: was taking place <laughs> in the future because her house was so modern too That's and believable. big that is an interesting thing about it is that
1: it is it's a very 90s movie in a lot of ways but also it exists outside the 90s because it's such a heightened version of that time period like no mm. one really dressed exactly like that in high school that was definitely way more fashion forward than the average high school student even like a popular beverly hills high school and then also what did you think about the fact that the protagonists were a popular girls, so the most popular hmm. girl in school
3: I didn't think too much of it, but I know a lot of movies are, like, definitely centered around the self-conscious weird girl falling in love with the popular boy. So I do kind of like the direction they took with it. They, like, she's trying to be a good person, I guess. He's trying a little bit. That even popular kids have their struggles. Yeah.
1: <laughs> they do have that character, the
3: makeover character.
1: Yeah. They do, like, three makeovers throughout this. Dion does say that Cher lives for makeovers. Yes. Um, So who was your favorite character?
3: I liked the new girl. I thought she was very cute. I liked (laughs) Ty. At first, the way she dressed, like, I've seen people in my middle school wear pretty much exactly what she was wearing on that first day. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that look in particular is really back right now. Did you think there was anything problematic about it?
3: I thought there was a lot of emphasis on all the girls trying to be as skinny as possible.
1: Yeah, that comes up a lot, talking about diets, and it's just kind of making fun of it because they're basically just eating candy as a diet all the time, but it does come up a lot, and you notice it every time, don't you?
3: (laughs) I have gotten good at recognizing toxic diet culture because I've experienced that a lot, especially because I am very self-conscious about myself, Mm. and I do see that girl in me sometimes, but I try not to give into it.
1: I've done my best to keep that out of the home. So where are you exposed to that toxic diet culture?
3: At school and on the internet mostly. I think when I was really young, I have this like vague memory of talking to my two friends in like kindergarten and first grade about being really skinny. And I don't know. Jesus. It's just like- I don't know That's what's brutal. happening.
1: <laughs> I mean, I believe you that that was your experience. It's just And I just awful. internalized
3: that for years.
1: Oh, horrible, horrible. I'm so sorry.
3: Like, I don't even really know what happened. like, you've always been very proud of who you are, and you've always been, like, a really just open person. Uh, I guess it just came from other people saying things, and then five-year-old me just internalizing that forever. Mm, that's a very impressionable
1: age. (laughs) Uh, Were there any other problematic elements that you spotted?
3: I did see that there were, like, some black stereotypes a little bit, but, um... That's
1: what you call the token black character. We had two token black characters, a male and a female. But yeah, that was definitely a big problem in the '90s. Was they were like, we're progressive because we put one in.
3: Put one in, and they're only allowed to date each other. Right. Yes.
1: (laughs) I know. Ty doesn't even ask which one is Dion's boyfriend.
3: (laughs) She's just like, I I know which one it is. It's the other black kid. Anything else? I feel like the business dad trope has been going on for a while. <laughs> who hates his wife. Who has now left him. Well, he Which, has an ex. I mean, I guess that's just
1: pretty common of people at that age. Divorce is very common.
3: <laughs> Divorce. Especially because he's a lawyer, probably.
1: It sounds like his ex-wife was the problem, though, because that's why Josh is always over there. And yeah. he's like, don't tell my mom I'm here. hmm Like, there's something about... His mom, that was toxic that made him feel more at home with Mel and Cher, which is interesting, isn't it?
3: Mm -hmm. I was always very confused about, like, the ages everybody was because they... (laughs) Yes, that is very confusing. Because I'm like, are these kids 16 or 25? I cannot tell.
1: (laughs) The answer is yes. Yeah, they are wildly different ages. I looked up everyone's ages, and it's between 17 is how old Ty was. She filmed the movie, and I think she's playing like 16 or 17. They're all playing 16 or 17, except Josh, who's in college. So he's probably like 20 at the oldest. Hmm. But hopefully more like 18 or 19, like hopefully he just went to college. But anyway, and then Dion is the oldest one. She was 27, that actress. Wow. Yeah, I can see why it's so confusing because they are all completely different ages.
3: (laughs) Yeah, like Ty looked so much younger than a lot of them. And And she she was was. the only one that wasn't a virgin.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I know, that's funny. And then there's a fun fact is that Brittany Murphy, that actress, said that at the time she filmed that, she was a virgin who couldn't drive. Ah. I really like that fact.
3: I was kind of confused about the guy. I referred to him as the guy from the memes. It was like the teacher, Wallace Shawn. Yeah, Wallace.
1: <laughs> Wallace Shawn is the actor's name,
3: and he looked like my grandpa. Yeah, he had the hairline of my grandpa, and then like they said that he was like forty six. My dad is older than. Him. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> that is always really hard. I feel like people aged faster back then or something. I don't mm, know. I don't it's know. weird.
3: Because like there was like lead in everything. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I say we just grow up, be adults, and die. Let's do some fun stuff. Let's do yeah. meaningful
2: passages. I've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of Mopey Dick. You know what I mean?
5: Just like when guys like hope not sporadically. Be seeing ya. Yeah, I hope not sporadically. No, yeah. I just, every
1: Britney Murphy line delivery is the fucking best. Right? She's yeah. the most adorable And person. I really
5: love when she asks, she's like, how old are you? I'll be 16 in May. Well, my birthday is in April. And there's someone <laughs> older. <in May. laughs> are you talking about drugs? Here. Hi, how old are you? I'll be 16 in May. My
0: birthday is in April, and there's someone older. Can I please give you some advice? It is one thing to spark up a doobie and get laced at parties, but it is quite another to be
1: fried all
6: day. Do you see the <laughs> distinction?
1: She lashed immediately onto that, that. <laughs> incremental age <each> difference. <laughs>
5: That's
1: so smart and cute.
6: I just love her, like,
1: RSVP thing.
6: Yeah. It does not say RSVP. Anymore. That's a really That's good analogy. analogy. Like, actually, yeah, she is,
1: like, unexpectedly yeah, woke in places.
6: Like
0: right now, for example, the Haitians need to come to America. But some people are all, what about the strain on our resources? But it's like, when I had this garden party for my father's birthday, right, I said RSVP because it was a sit-down dinner. But people came that, like, did not RSVP. So I was, like, totally buggin'. I had to haul ass to the kitchen, redistribute the food, squish in extra place settings, but by the end of the day, it was like the more the merrier. And so, if the government could just get to the kitchen, rearrange some things, we could certainly party with the Hadians. And in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the
5: Statue of Liberty. <laughs> I, I think I watched it with commentary once, in that Alicia Silverstone just said it, Hadians. Like she yeah. didn't know she was saying it wrong, and they're like, don't tell her. Yes, perfect. Until afterwards,
1: <laughs> it's so cute. it's really good. But also- <laughs> <laughs> she was young though she was one of the younger people Right, my 13 year old was very surprised that there was anyone who could possibly argue the alternate viewpoint but I was like that's the debate that still rages on today which is horrifying but mm-hmm. she's so bright it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty <laughs> oh, she
5: rearrange some things <laughs> <laughs> so uh, deeply yeah. mediocre <laughs>
1: I thought it was a very good, like, just young person joke about her house. The columns date all the way
4: back to 1972.
1: Yes. <laughs> it's like a vintage house. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
4: That dinner scene before the valley party Where Mel is meeting Ty For the first time And she sits down at the head of the table <laughs> And his like introduction to her is Get out of my chair Hi <laughs> <laughs> daddy this is my friend time. Get out of my chair It gets me every time <laughs> That whole scene is so incredible Cher gets the last minute call from Dion About mm-hmm. going to the party And that whole scene is incredible
6: I love that looks like we're gonna have to make a cameo At the valley <laughs> party, party.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
6: ty's like talking to share i don't want do <laughs> like yeah, to <laughs> okay. yeah. yeah. awesome. do this anymore and my buns they don't feel
1: nothing like steel yeah i wrote that down too another perfect line delivery yeah
0: i don't want to do this <sighs> anymore and my buns they don't feel nothing like steel
4: it's true a lot of the more memorable stuff is from ty for sure yes Cher. My new favorite from watching last night was You guys, I've never had straight friends
0: before (laughs) (laughs) Oh come on, let us Cher's main thrill in life is a makeover, okay? It gives her a sense of control in a world full of chaos Please? Sure, (laughs) why not? Shit, you guys I've never had straight friends before.
4: For so long, I was like, straight, like, straight edge? Or, like, just straight
5: women? (laughs) What is she talking
4: about? (laughs) But I think she means just straight girls. Yeah.
5: I thought she she meant, like, non-druggy people. That's what I thought for a long time. Oh, no. Well, I don't know. I guess you could interpret it either way, but I felt like it was straight girls. I'm getting
4: a clearer vision on the movie this time. We know that it's cocaine and not Mm. (laughs) Coca-Cola. We know it's straight girls and not straight edge. Yeah, a lot of things are coming clear just from the tone i feel like totally yeah, and that is such a crazy and absurd thing to say. I've never <laughs> had straight friends, friends like, before. Like, what does that mean in the context? That's the thing where, like, like whatever old school like, okay. the, the lesbians took her in. I guess. That's so wild. <laughs> but like, why does she say it then? You know what I mean? Uh, when they say that they want to give her a make, I guess that's it. That's because her, her
1: outfit. I mean, I guess what she's wearing is kind of a stereotypical '90s lesbian look. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Totally. Uh, which is funny. Again, my 13-year-old was like, I love her outfit. That's what I wear to school every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and all the yeah. shit talking about how men dress then is now like how women dress. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, It Which does is, look like, better on women, though.
5: <laughs> I like when she's like, you're a virgin, and she's like, you see how picky I am about shoes. Cher, <laughs> yeah. you're a virgin? God, you say that it's a
0: bad thing. Besides... The PC term is hymenally challenged. I am just not interested in doing it until I find the right person. And you see how picky I am about my shoes? And they
6: only go on my feet.
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's a really good line.
6: I love at the party where Travis is like, what would guys do to impress? I don't know. There was something like, and mm-hmm. Ty goes, I don't know, stuff. That was so cool, the way you did that. I wish I could do
2: it. Oh no, don't. Why not? Oh, cause if girls do, what would guys do to impress them?
0: I don't know,
2: like
4: stuff.
6: I just loved that Ty
4: is my favorite I love her Yeah. I also really loved how they centered Cher and Ty At the skating event Like that could easily have become a moment I mean it would have ruined the whole like Track of the movie But Travis could have very easily Become the center of that scene Mm -hmm. But the girls are so At the center of it Like their dynamic and their relationship And their perspective on things Like that was really cute
1: That's true A lot of the men are just like accessories that they have or don't have yeah, <laughs> which is nice it's like a refreshing perspective for a high school girl movie
4: totally yeah. and also what's really fascinating is that in that scene we get a shot up at Travis mm-hmm. where he gets to look like the little, sorry that was the chair <laughs> I know, uh, yeah, party right. chairs <laughs> uh, very party, like straight up fart sound. Um where we get to look up at him as if he is a king or mm-hmm. like a champion or whatever but really when we get that perspective of him he's more endearing and sort of like sweet and we're proud of him like, yeah. a, like a kid it's like
1: he did it and he couldn't have done that without the encouragement because, Yeah,
4: and yeah. I guess it's, he gets shit on the entire movie like to watch him like be the winner or whatever it's this really sweet like homage to maybe masculinity or something too there's Mm -hmm. something good in there and that like by shining light on him he gains much more than he would (laughs) if we didn't yeah i don't know i can see that
1: (laughs) of course i like the line i'm having a twin peaks experience
2: ty
0: you have a picture in your locker
2: i have the picture you took in my locker
0: Oh, I'm having a Twin Peaks experience. They sweet.
5: have a Twin Peaks podcast, too. Yeah. Wow. Love. And also, of course, like, I, I mean, there's a lot of just iconic lines. but like, you're a virgin who can't drive. It's a fun thing when your children are little and they're mouthing off to you. You uh-huh. can always say
0: that. Yeah. <laughs> Why am I even listening to you to begin with? You're a virgin who can't drive. Oh, that was way harsh, Ty. Right. Look, I'm really sorry. Let's just talk when we've mellowed, all right? I'm
5: outie. I mean,
1: yeah, that is just like a gift that you send all the time. It's, it's surprisingly versatile. Right, right. <laughs> it's really
4: funny.
1: I also really like the line about Ren and Stimpy are way existential
4: because it's a little bit
1: true. It's like,
4: totally <laughs> true. It's 100% yeah. true. I can't
1: believe I'm taking advice from someone who watches cartoons
0: you idiot that's ryan stimpy they are
2: way existential do you have any idea what you're talking about no what
1: i sound like i do yes yeah. <laughs> yes there definitely are fluid jokes aplenty but yeah if you really get down to
4: it mm-hmm. ren is so like a they're troubled
1: teaching soul <laughs> yeah you know he's a ball of anxiety yes <laughs> yes
2: I got it all figured out! You're not mad! You're just suffering from a post-traumatic, holic brain blister! And you! (coughs) Just a mere victim of an undissolved childhood hemorrhoidic offense mechanism!
6: There are so many, I mean, not necessarily quotes, but like, when Ty falls down the stairs. (laughs) It's just that, that mortification moment. I felt like so, Mm -hmm. oh my god. And like, some guy comes up to her, he's like, are you okay? <laughs> like, that looks yeah, really I... bad. Yeah.
0: It's like, <laughs> it's she's so like, embarrassing. Now more, I'm going to be noticed that
6: girl
5: fell her
1: butt. Wow, are you okay? That looked really bad. Yeah,
4: thanks.
6: That was such a visceral moment for me.
1: Oh, totally.
6: I've <laughs> like, what's wrong with you, kid? Do you think the death of Sammy Davis left an opening in the rat pad? <laughs> nice pile of bricks you got here. You drink? No, thanks, I'm cool i'm not offering
0: i'm asking you if you drink you think i give alcohol to teenage drivers taking my daughter out
4: hey man the protective vibe i dig what's with you kid you think the death of sammy davis left an opening in the rat pack so like getting into christian i needed to look this up and i didn't so they watched spartacus right and mm-hmm. then there's that Spartacus.
0: christian had a thing for tony curtis so he brought over some like it hot and Spartacus.
4: and she focuses the whole camera on that line singer
2: of songs for whom did you practice this wondrous talent Mm. for the children of my master whom i also taught the classics
4: the children of my master whom i also taught the classics Mm mm-hmm I just, I knew as soon as I said it out loud it was gonna make sense, but it was like, mmm, gone it. Like, yeah. <laughs> little reference, like, we're Amy Heckerling's children, or she is the child, and yeah. the classics are Jane Austen, or I don't know. It was just really funny and that it was coming in through this, like, gay tone.
6: Like I guess I realized Christian was gay, but there were some other, like, friend of Dorothy. Dee, I almost had sex with him. You almost
2: had sex with who? Christian. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Your man Christian is a cake boy. A what? He's a disco dancing, Oscar Wilde reading, and ticket holding friend of Dorothy, know what I'm saying? Uh, no way. He's gay. He's not
0: even.
2: Yes, even.
0: He does like to shop share, and the boy can dress. Oh my god, I'm totally
6: bugging. I feel like such a bonehead. I had no idea what that. Meant. Oh yeah, yeah, I didn't. That like was, that was probably the first time I'd ever heard that.
5: Term that came up like because I watched it with my friend who's like thirty, and she had never heard. Because that was like a euphemism, not even really like a derogatory one. You know, yeah, like, it was sort of like is he a friend of Dorothy? It was like a coded, way right? Like are you it. a friend of Dorothy? You know, I guess we don't really need a euphemisms anymore. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
6: Yeah, or mm. like the Tony Curtis. Is he like a gay icon in yes, some way? Yeah. Or definitely. Both those
5: movies sound like a hot, obviously, in this Yeah. Spartacus has a lot of mm-hmm. gay subtext. Uh, oh, not barely
2: yeah. even sub,
1: really. Yeah. Like, and mm-hmm. Tony Curtis is a gay icon. For sure, from that era, like mm-hmm. that's a lot of gay yeah. boys' first crush. Right, there's, a of, there's a lot. There was a lot of like watching. little clues. Let's
2: take a look at some of the homosexual artifacts I dug up.
1: Like he's reading yeah. William S. Burroughs in class. And <laughs> 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 oh my God! Do you see how He's falling
0: in love with me. What's he... I mean, look how he ignores every
1: other girl. He knows a lot about art. You like Billy Holiday?
6: I love him. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> In high school, I learned a little bit about the Beat Generation. Like, I thought that was really cool and different. So I thought, like, oh, he's like a Beatnik kind of. Yeah. I don't. Know. I mean,
1: there's a fine line between someone who knows a lot about artsy stuff and being gay, and that's why you know they know that. Yeah. But there are lots of clues. Your
3: father has a well-rounded collection.
0: Daddy says it's a good investment.
3: He's absolutely right.
2: Klaus Oldenburg.
0: Oh, like, he's way famous. <laughs> mm.
2: But this is older, see. Transition. A very important piece.
4: Um, what? You wanna
0: get some Hmm.
4: Let's watch the movies. Oh, okay. This movie, I'm realizing, is like a lot of, like, if you know, you know. Yeah. Right, <laughs> yeah, like, that's true. Like, to a cheeky, fun degree, and also mm-hmm. to, like, a concerning degree. It really, like, <laughs> wobbles around on that line. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I really love the exchange about you guys talk like
2: grown-ups.
3: Murray, I have asked you repeatedly not to call me woman.
2: Excuse me, Miss Dion. Thank you. Okay, but street slang is an increasingly valid form of expression. Most of the feminine pronouns do have mocking, but not necessarily misogynistic undertone.
0: Wow. You guys talk like grown-ups. Oh, well, this is a really good school.
2: This is
1: a really good this school, a really good school. <laughs> that's just, I mean that's a meta line too Because that was a criticism of teen media at the time Was that they all were too verbal And hyper intellectual And it's just a really fun commentary on that oh, <laughs> And how Ty does talk like an actual teenager yeah. Like we really love that movie Dick Because they talk like teenagers in that movie It's refreshing when that happens Like yeah. oh this is teen representation yeah. here yeah. Totally <laughs> Also her accent is just like, the okay. fucking cutest <laughs> yeah,
4: she's straight. That's something else that I was like reading up on is because Amy Heckerling is a New Yorker, she had some work to do around like the linguistics of oh. this movie. And so like trying to translate her New Yorker language into LA oh, specifically. Yeah. It ended up creating this like other language that is like clueless. Yeah. And that created its own kind of like iconography.
1: That's so smart to do. It's like yeah. what Heathers did as well. Yeah. Anybody that wants their high school movie to have any sort of timelessness, yeah. you've got to make up your own slang. Totally.
4: And I don't know yeah. like, quite how much of it was intentional. A lot of it was just like, I'm not from here, yeah. so like, do it kind of like this, and it's just Like running it through a
1: Google Translator. Yeah, right.
4: Right. Like, Sporadicus is not LA, yeah. but it's perfect. That's
1: like a literary malpropism. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. <laughs> totally. That part's fascinating. Like the linguistics of this movie. Yeah.
5: It's just like the way she says it when she and Dion are leaving the note for Miss and Dion's like, Fat! Did you write that? That's <laughs> <laughs> like a famous quote. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not exactly right either
1: if you freeze frame the card. It's a little totally. bit garbled. I love
0: that it's, it's from Cliff's notes. <laughs> yeah. Eternal summer shall not fade. Fat! Did you write that? That's like a famous quote. From where?
5: Cliff's notes. Oh, <laughs> I really like it. Oh wait,
1: where's another one that was like a famous quote that she doesn't get exactly right? Tis a far, far better thing doing stuff for other people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like that book I read in ninth grade it said, "Tis a far, far better thing doing stuff for other people." That is
1: hilarious. <laughs> I also wrote down a quote from my child, my 13-year-old, and it's really funny because both my kids love Marvel shit, and still, they didn't recognize Paul Rudd until toward the end, and then my 13-year-old said, that guy looks like Paul Rudd,
4: <laughs> and I was like, it is Paul Rudd. She was like, what? Okay, that's wild because we all talk about how he I hasn't know. changed. I know. That's
1: what I said. I was like, that's very interesting because yeah. people are always putting up clueless Paul Rudd and now Paul Rudd, and I guess... To young people, all old people look ancient. It's like, yeah, I mean, mean, you watch clueless. Like, he's aged a little bit. Like, he doesn't look
5: however I mean, he's like, what, 52? He's in his 50s. Finally, but it's happened in the the last five years. And anybody (laughs) who
4: hasn't aged in the last five years is like (laughs) inside of incubation.
1: Right. Like, wherever Jared Leto was (laughs) during the lockdown. Like, is that what's going on with you? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And she also described Wallace Shawn as the guy from the memes, which was very funny to me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> he's in some memes, yeah. When you watch stuff with teenagers and there's things that they know from memes. Like we watched The Shining with my 6 year old <laughs> when he's covered in snow and it's like, Oh, that's what that's
1: from. Mm. <laughs> I thought it was just about being very cold. <laughs> My kids are both interested in how old everyone was, so I did look up everyone's mm. ages and it's pretty interesting. Brittany Murphy was the youngest at seventeen. Mm-hmm. You know? And then Alicia Silverstone was eighteen, Donald Pye's on eighteen, and then it goes all the way up to Stacey Dash being twenty seven. Wow. Whoa. And Paul Rudd was twenty-five at the time. That was clear. Yeah. And then oh there was a it's a little oh, bit of a hot was prop for my heart, you know. uh I uh, did twenty-four. Seven. Yeah. That is wild. Mm-hmm. It is pretty well. <laughs> she looks fantastic. Yeah. Does she still look great? I haven't looked her up lately because she's, yeah, she's so like bad problematic. That, yeah, uh... I hope her hate has aged her a little bit. But... <laughs> and then it was funny when they say Wallace Shawn is 47 because my husband was like, I'm 48. That was a problem for him. That's he did not awesome. like that. I,
5: I noticed <laughs>
1: that. <right? laughs>
5: Wait, like the old are like your
1: age.
0: Old oh, people can be so sweet.
1: But he was actually 51, so at least he wasn't Perfect age. <laughs> yes. the best age of person you can be, really. And he probably was a person who never looked. He's like the anti-fronted. Like, like, the right. I, like, red. Red. like yeah, I always right. looked exactly this age. Mm-hmm.
4: <laughs> mm-hmm. I have, like, just a thing that I noticed that I loved that I forgot about, which is just, like, the credits are so beautiful. <laughs> Do you remember yeah. the credits? The opening credits? No, no, the closing. Oh. Or at least for the stars of the movie, mm-hmm. it's this, like, neon background mm-hmm. with a different neon font. Oh, and yeah. And the font yeah. is, like, that chunky... I am not a font person, but it's, like, that chunky, playful lettering. Kumo Sands. And it's just beautiful. Like, I could just watch the credits for a long time. That's awesome. It's, like, it gives you energy. Mm-hmm. It's wild. It's that's like, so it's fun I to shout it. that
1: out because that's someone's job just to do exactly that. So I'll find out who that is and mm-hmm. shout them out. Robert Dawson. And that <laughs> Smoking pope song doesn't get too much... Mm-hmm. People were leaving the right. theater probably when that was 20. Oh yeah Let's definitely song. talk About the soundtrack Which like The opening is so great yeah. I love the muffs. Yes. I love that muffs cover mm-hmm. And it is a lot of nineties bands, which mm-hmm. is, it does date it in a way, but it's also really fun when you hear those grungy voices. The classics. We might talk the classics. Mm-hmm. Ah <laughs> The Children of Our Masters. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, do you wanted to say your favorite song in the soundtrack? Oh
6: yeah. The lightning seeds oh. change. Mm-hmm. I love that song. And I thought it fit great in that scene where she's like getting applause and stuff. <laughs> and I think they're a British band and they kind of had like a newer yeah sound,
1: and I really like New Order and so that was my favorite song <laughs> yeah they were kind of like early second-wave British invasion <laughs> Lightning seats. that was about that
4: time that was the Oasis heyday uh, the soundtrack <laughs> is totally amazing and I was on some kind of nostalgia kick a few years ago and put the soundtrack on and it was fun but it's nothing like hearing it while watching the movie I and know they're like, yeah they're doing a job there go figure Um, Right. (laughs) Those songs are fantastic, clipped and put to just the right imagery and like the timing and everything. Like it's just so much more thrilling hearing them while watching the movie.
1: Right, yeah. Better together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a whole
4: separate genre is soundtracks that you can experience
1: the movie while you're listening to them and there's Mm -hmm. not that many. Train spotting comes to mind immediately, Mm -hmm. but Mm Pulp Fiction. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, they do cut songs up to fit and sometimes they'll even change them around so that thematically the original meaning of the song is different because of how they cut them up. Excuse me, I think I know Heather a little bit better than you do. Oh, let see are there any fun facts. We did say the Hadians thing. <laughs> oh, Paul Rudd was mugged while he was filming this movie and wow. they stole his backpack with the script in it.
4: Oh! <laughs> oh
1: amazing.
4: Mugged where? In LA? Yeah, probably. Like walking? <laughs> where was he walking? That's Who so crazy. Knows? I don't I know. know. The circumstances of this.
1: I haven't looked into it. but I'll get Paul, I'll call him up Yeah, and ask yeah well, for
4: details. <laughs>
1: From a Paul Rudd interview in GQ, March 2009. Chris Heath writes, He'd gone to dinner with a friend at Jerry's Deli in the Valley. Back out at his car, a guy grabbed him and told him to give him his money. This is a real gun, he told Rudd. Watch out, because I'll fucking kill you. Rudd assured him that he believed him, and it was fine. You don't think it's a real gun, the guy said, and fired it. The bullet went through Rudd's hair. Rudd told him he had no cash, but that he could take whatever he wanted. He offered his backpack, and the gunman ran off. Rudd moved to New York City not long after. Alternate casting, a lot of the time this is bullshit, but this is from the horse's mouth. Reese Witherspoon auditioned for Cher.
4: I also read that Dave Chappelle went up for Dion's boyfriend. Oh yeah, Murray. Murray. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is like where we get into that tricky territory mm-hmm. again. Because <laughs> something that Amy Heckerling said was that she wanted all of these characters to feel like those perfect kids that you wanted to be in high school, and mm-hmm. then she also wanted them to be able to express a wide range of emotions, but never feel actually threatening, never cast a shadow on the movie in any way, which mm-hmm. like is very telling. And she said that Dave Chappelle was incredible, but had an edge to him that wasn't the right tone for Mm -hmm. the movie. Those are the specific words she used, like tone and edge and things like that. And it just feels a little coded. And was it her perception that mm. he was dangerous based on his audition? It just it presents yeah. a lot of questions. I mean about Chappelle's the one show definitely
1: man. was pretty edgy show, I guess. It's, yeah. It definitely yeah. called
4: a lot of stuff out. Right, okay. yeah. Edge is like a very safe word to use. It was very mm. wisely chosen. It feels coded. Yeah, you know? I seriously. Especially in that context of like a white woman judging a black man by whether yeah. or not he seems dangerous. Right.
5: I can see how, because that character, he and Dion are fighting a lot, you know, and he's like yelling yeah. at his girlfriend a lot, calling her woman, you know, and you want someone who can strike the right tone because she is wanting to keep it light.
4: Again, I, it's just like, Maybe a better word probably? choice would have
1: been like, we wanted someone sweeter. Because I can definitely imagine Dave Chappelle not being like, super sweet. But Donald Faison being pretty just
5: that he <laughs> Donald Faison plays that exactly the way she wanted it played, and he didn't play it that
4: way. I don't know if it's necessarily like word choice as much as it is mm-hmm. like the scenario. This white woman in a much more powerful position sure. judging this black man based on the presentation or like the impression that he gives, which is mm-hmm. clearly colored by her own biases or whatever. Of anyway, course,
1: yeah, I'm sure there's a lot there. It'd be impossible uh, for that not to have influenced decision at the time.
4: Is it Dave Chappelle's brand? Like young Dave Chappelle could have been? I don't know what he's capable of.
1: I mean, he was in Half Baked. He was like the lead of that. And you know, that was a goofy role. Like he wasn't like a dangerous black man in that movie. He was like a goofy stoner guy. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it just wasn't enough of a teenager for her at the time. Or It can be so hard when you're casting, I assume, to even put into words why someone doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But it's, you're probably asked to explain it.
4: And it's also fucked that this conversation comes up around the only black man in the movie. We're not talking yeah. about Elton. Why not? He's hella fucking threat. There definitely is some tokenism right. happening for sure. Yeah. The stuff that goes unaddressed or kind of unspoken or coded in this movie reveals right. a lot of darkness. But I also like
5: Elton and Murray as characters, like you're supposed to like Murray, you're not supposed to like Elton. So maybe she's not saying that he was too threatening and edgy to play Elton because that's what she
4: wanted from him. This is just classic why white men get off in the first place. Elton's Mm -hmm. meant to be threatening because it's okay to have a threatening man in a lighthearted movie because they're going to be okay no matter what threatening black man in the movie, it's way more dangerous. There's so much to read into. And the fact that this conversation came up again in an interview around the only black Mm -hmm. male role in the movie and not anybody else is weird and also she wasn't gonna cast Paul Rudd she wanted to cast one of the beastie boys she wanted like a batter boy again white men are given all the room in the world to Mm -hmm. be as messy and dangerous and terrible as they like but if we're gonna put a black man in the movie we can't have too much edginess yeah I don't think there's any question that there's some fucked up. Right, no, not going into not these I'm not saying that is not a problem. I'm not saying that at
5: all. Those specific characters, those two different things she's going for.
4: But again, the reason why is important to consider, I think. Because Murray says a lot of fucked up shit to Dion, but he's not allowed to say it with a certain tenor because he's black. Anyway. Okay. Yeah,
5: I'm just very specifically like, you're supposed to like mm-hmm. Murray, you're not supposed to like Elton.
4: But what about the Paul Rudd thing?
5: Right, that comparison is more (laughs) apt because you are supposed to like Paul Rudd. I'm just very specifically responding to comparing those two because it's like, well, you're going for something totally different.
4: Mm -hmm. I'm seeing Kavanaugh in Elton. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, The epitome of power, the epitome of bad behavior, I don't know if you could call him evil as much as a product of evil. Definitely evil in training. Well, he's, he's <laughs> a piece of shit, but there's evil around him, whether he was inherently or just permitted mm-hmm. to be. Anyway, that's what I see. We well, were supposed to be talking right. about something light. <laughs> I mean, I don't disagree I'm the wrong with you one. At all about that. No, <laughs> okay. no, no. We do this all the yeah. time. <laughs> and I hear what you're saying too. I just think there's more to it.
5: Yes, I'm not saying there's not more to it. Okay, okay, okay. So this is what's called a lunchtime poll.
1: So the lunchtime
5: poll question is
1: inspired by the scene in the car, the discussion about Hamlet, and everyone is surprised when she knows that it's Polonius who says the line about thine own self and not that Polonius guy and not Hamlet. So the question is, what is something that you know a lot about that people might be surprised to learn you know a lot about? I don't know if this is surprising to people. If you know me, like, pretty well, then you wouldn't be surprised. Anyway, I know a lot about <laughs> cults. I know a um. lot about cults and a lot of different cults, and particularly Scientology, but uh, Ooh, I just have a lot of cults knowledge, and I'm good at spotting cult behaviors and cult-adjacent triggers and all that stuff, so. I have so many questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a different podcast, maybe. Yeah, I've gotten into a little bit, but my mom was not a cult, so I got really fascinated by it and read lots of books and watched every documentary and all that stuff. So hmm. it was a personal obsession. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah, and
5: also not. Yes, at all. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We were in an airport, and news was on someone pitched a perfect game last night. So I was with me and Matt, and then it said something like, how many people have ever pitched a perfect game, which is not that many. And then I knew this like I knew my children's names. I was like, well, there was somebody who did pitch 13 perfect innings once, but he had no runs scored and he lost it, and so he's not credited. <laughs> he's not credited with a perfect game because of that. I think his name was Harvey Haddix. It was in the 50s. And I was like, well, that was I know correct. that? Right? So, <laughs> people who don't know me that well wouldn't think I would be that into sports and super into baseball like I had encyclopedic baseball knowledge at a time I guess I still know some (laughs) mine's from a specific era because I stopped being into baseball but I still appreciate it but just sort of like sports in general and baseball specifically awesome
1: sorry about the barking interruption there's some (laughs) asshole barking across the street so Lemmy pot dog is I love his hoodie that's
2: (laughs) so (laughs) cute
6: i I had a really hard time coming, like, I proposed the question, and then I'm
2: like, (laughs) I don't have this answer
6: for myself, and I was, like, racking my brain, and I can sing the French National Anthem, and I don't, it was because we had to do it in front of the class, like, in French class in middle school, <laughs> and like I was like, I need to learn this. I could sing it, I have the receipts, but I won't sing it. But I can sing Aww. it. <laughs> it's actually a really bloody, gory national anthem. Let me um, hates national anthem. Yeah, yeah, sorry. <laughs> if I'm ever held at gunpoint or whatever,
1: <laughs> and that's all they want from you, <laughs> that's all they want <laughs> from me. You're ready.
6: With this I'm, gonna this I'm gonna live. I'm gonna wow. live. Is this one a microphone?
4: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I'm so uncomfortable with this question. I feel like I don't know. I, I, I doubled down on it. And now I'm like, fuck. I guess like the easy fallback thing is that I rode horses growing up. So like, Ooh. I know a lot about how to be around horses, how to take care of horses, how to jump horses and train horses and teach <laughs> lessons and clean up shit and stuff like that.
6: Braid the tails and the manes. Yeah. <laughs> that's actually
4: a very hard job to do it like properly. Oh, I'm but, sure. I'm terrified of horses. <laughs> yeah. There was a thing when I was first learning, like if you put a kid on a horse and lead them around at a trot, they'll either start crying or laughing and that's how you know, like, <laughs> that's, that's kind of the line in the sand about it i went into straight up giggles like i like (laughs) lost control of my body yeah i I love riding that's the horse girl test (laughs) yeah exactly it comes early i don't know what happens if you're like an adult Hmm. and they take you around on a trot for the first time you don't know if you're afraid of horses but it does seem like you're afraid of them or you love them Mm -hmm. i feel like there's very few people in between anyway that's the thing that's impressive. Yeah, I'm I so
1: think... impressed with people who can handle horses because I'm so yeah. scared of them because I know how dangerous they are if you don't know how to do it. Maybe I'll start yeah. sending you like a lot of
4: videos on the internet of like horses just <laughs> being really cute. And yeah, sweet.
1: I mean, I think they're beautiful and I really respect them and I think they're like wonderful, majestic creatures but yeah. I don't want to get really close to one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're a lot of pounds. <laughs> yeah, they're intimidating. Like, their eyes are intense. Ooh. You think so? I think I they're do. so sweet. I feel like they're so smart there's just so much going on behind the eyes that
4: it's intimidating I don't know oh.
1: <laughs> there was a lot
4: there <laughs> yeah there's a lot there okay. yeah
1: <laughs> if I believed in past lives, I would say maybe there was some, oh, maybe. something there but I think mean, it's <laughs> what you know. we
4: do to them for sure. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure that they want saddles on their back and, like, to be directed around. But it's kind of like...
6: <laughs> you know, you know how many like, people do want yeah. to be
4: ready. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, no. Yeah. It's you a, a conflict, me. for sure. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it's also kind of like dogs. When they're bred a certain way, they really love it. Like, racehorses that really love it. Horses that have, like, incredible torque in their bodies. that can just, like, leap over things that are just entirely unreasonable you have to love it Mm -hmm. to do it because otherwise you wouldn't get over the thing yeah anyway that's my thing that's beautiful answer valley horse girl (laughs) i
6: still want to go there yeah i'm wearing a lot of
4: california stuff kind of accidentally (laughs) this is like a california California. scarf i insisted on this sweatshirt i really like made a few people's lives more difficult trying to get this sweatshirt
1: (laughs) i love it how very Katie, do you have anything you'd like to plug before we go?
4: Totes. Always plugging the shit out of stuff lately. Do it. So I run this reading series called Nonfiction for No Reason. It's bi-monthly. The next one is November 8th at 7pm at Little Saigon Creative. The lineup is crazy. Tessa Hulls, Angela Garbus, Lisa Chen, Celeste Chan, Freddie Rawson, and Ray Stovey and I think that's everybody. It's eight readers. And then I'm teaching some classes. I'm teaching a study called Essays on Suicide. That is a two-hour class on October 24th, one to three. It's a really personal subject to me, and I've written about it and had that essay published this past June. So the purpose of this is just to sit together and read about different perspectives and voices on suicide throughout the ages, do some writing in a very structured way, and kind of undo some taboos and stigmas around the subject, make it more conversable, and And then another class that i'm teaching writing about clothes in november which will be another like two hour
1: thing wow those are those are so clueless specific as well (laughs) yeah Yeah. i mean la it has its themes (laughs) do you have socials you want to
4: yeah instagram i'm at katie underscore lee underscore e my website's katyleeellison.com Twitter sucks and isn't Twitter anymore Yeah, <laughs> but my website has all this stuff on it and also my newsletter so oh cool yeah.
1: thank you so much for joining us thanks this for having really great. me you guys <laughs>
4: like I get so heavy but it was super fun to talk to you guys I'm glad you were like willing to go there with me we could yeah, we could get money.
1: pretty heavy yeah awesome. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. for sure so yeah it's pretty survived for sure. if you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke Please take a minute to give us five stars on your preferred podcast app. If you did not enjoy it, no further action is necessary. Paid in Puke is hosted by Jessica Baxter, Amy Green, and Christina Barr. Follow us on Twitter at Paid in Puke Pod, on Blue Sky at Paid in Puke Pod, on Instagram at Paid in Puke Seattle, and on Facebook at Paid in Puke Podcast. Paid in Puke is produced and edited by Divine Betty Media. Music by Silent Partner and Jessica Baxter. Thanks for listening. You're beautiful.
5: Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.